BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tonight, the two biggest issues for the MAGA movement are the border crisis and election integrity. GOP candidates flocking to the border and also to the audit. Boris Epstein is here to tell us whether that will bring victory to the GOP and the MAGA movement in the future elections. And more has been uncovered about Hunter Biden's dirty dealings around the world. You won't believe what he did this time to make millions by selling access to the White House. John Solomon will be here to break down the latest on all the Hunter Biden dirty dealings. All of that tonight and more here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Hey, good evening. I'm Dr. Gina. Welcome to Primetime. In Minneapolis, a man who owns a chain of grocery stores has been virtually run out of business. But he isn't some right winger flying MAGA flags at his storefront. The owner, Maji Wadi, is a Palestinian immigrant and had to lay off 69 employees and lost millions of dollars after Black Lives Matter targeted him for his daughter's racist tweets from nine years ago. His daughter, Liana Maji, wrote some of the most hateful and disgusting tweets that you could even ever imagine. And even though she had written these tweets nine years ago and had deleted them, well, the internet is forever, as we all know. Her high school tweets from 2012 came back to haunt her, and the kicker is this young woman had taken part in BLM marches after the George Floyd incident. She's a proud anti-Israel daughter of Palestinian immigrants, as well as a huge supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. But that's not good enough for the left. So her father did what he thought would appease the mob. He fired his daughter from his business. He hoped the cancel mob would be happy with the scalp and move on, but that wasn't enough. Customers continued to be harassed in the parking lot of his stores, and then his lease was revoked at the site of his flagship store in Minneapolis. Now, Majiwadi had to lay off 69 employees thanks to the cancel mob, and he says the mob published his home address online, and that he has to worry about that every day. And then there is Chris Harrison. He hosted and produced, you'll remember, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for almost two decades. And now he has been canceled. And all he did was ask for Bachelor fans to give grace to a young woman who went to an antebellum South-themed party back when she was in college. And since Chris Harrison asked the cancel mob to take it easy on her, they went after him. And now his career is over. He'll be fine. He made millions. But... Chris Harrison had just made history in recent Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons by naming the first black Bachelorette and the first black Bachelor. Harrison was heralded, actually, for picking these contestants based on their race. And then the entire theme of the show became all about race. And, of course, the left loved that and the left used that to demolish the tradition of the show itself. But Chris Harrison made the critical error of apologizing, thinking that would be enough. Apologizing is never enough for the left. There's one person, though, who has immunity from the cancel mob. That person is Hunter Biden. The UK Daily Mail published Hunter Biden's texts from years ago, and he used the N-word multiple times in texts. 
And for some reason, he felt very comfortable using the words in texts with his attorney. But the cancel mob has yet to descend on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or to demand that Biden resign because of his son's use of the N-word. And oh, by the way, Biden has used the N-word several times on tape. But the lesson today is that if you're a Democrat politician or the son of a Democrat politician, you have immunity from the cancel mob and you can use the N-word with impunity. But for the rest of us, like Chris Harrison, and like that grocery store owner and his daughter, the cancel mob has no mercy. So whatever you do, and if and when you are targeted by the cancel mob, do not back down. Do not give concessions. Do not apologize. Any sign of weakness will only fuel the mob. And if you keep adding fuel to the fire, it will consume you until there's nothing left. You have no choice but to fight back. Sincerity, authenticity, pay no mind to those. At some point, the left will destroy enough of their own, and they will either destroy themselves from within, or some on the left might finally stand up and say, enough, we'd like some honesty, honesty, some transparency, some authenticity. But right now, it's clear. The left is willing to live with the collateral damage that sometimes destroys their allies as long as they can use the mob to destroy their enemies on the right, too. Coming up, we'll talk to John Solomon about the dirty Hunter Biden deals that have been unearthed. You won't believe it. And that's right here next on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay put. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. You know, so much vindication is happening these days. This big story over at Just the News describes Hunter Biden's plans to use unrest around the world to strong arm world leaders using his father's influence in the White House when Joe Biden was vice president. The person who uncovers all of these juicy tidbits, it seems every time, is John Solomon, the founder of Just the News, and he joins us now. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your horrendously busy schedule, digging all this stuff up to be with us. Uh, John, oh, tell pleasure. us the latest. Uh, thank you. Tell us the latest on what you found regarding Hunter Biden's dirty dealings across the globe. Yeah, listen, uh, we have to take people back because we almost forgot this period of time. But in February of 2014, the world was in a very turbulent state. The ISIS civil war had just launched in Syria and there was a crisis of refugees and uh, horrific killings. Russia had just invaded Crimea, uh, the Crimean region of our ally, Ukraine. And there was a wave of horrific bombings in Iraq that killed over 100 civilians in a very short period of time. The world was, in a few short words, aflame. And Joe Biden was the foreign policy point man for Barack Obama on all of these problems. So the world, our allies, were depending on him. And what was his son doing? Hunter Biden was sitting in the Rosemont Seneca offices on his email, figuring out how he could cash in on all of these American allies that relied on his dad to solve these problems. So one of the conversations is, hey, let's go after all the sovereign wealth funds of our allies, those in the Middle East, those in Europe, and figure out how we can get them to invest in one of our 
broker dealers that we had. And they come up with a list of the 15 wealthiest sovereign funds owned by our uh, allies. So these are government-owned wealth funds, investment funds. And he's figuring out how, he and his colleagues were figuring out, how are we gonna cash in on that? Then he goes to a state uh, dinner, something very few Americans ever get to go to, the world leader, the French president at that time, Hollande was here. He goes to that dinner, he meets a French ambassador. A couple days later, he's turning around, call, reaching out to that brand new French ambassador who just landed in the United States saying, hey, I've got a business deal, can you help me out? A little bit after that, he's reaching out to the ambassador of United Arab Emirates, who by the way, is in the middle of all that Middle East chaos that was going on in February 2014, asking him for help on a business deal. And it goes on and on. Eventually, it's the, uh, the Italian president of the Tuscany region of Italy. He's on a first name basis with that president. He's leveraging that relationship. Well, listen, UAE, Italy, uh, uh, all of these countries, France, they're all relying on his father and he's shaking them down for money, business favors, deals. This was a calculated effort to cash in on his father's foreign policy requirements and, uh, and responsibilities and the crisis in the world because they knew, I don't think an ally is gonna turn down the vice president's son right now Chilling stuff, you just have to read it yourself. We put all the emails up. People can see it and read it and make their own judgments uh, by going to the dig-in tool on this tool at justthenews.com. Yeah, John, how much of the propaganda press is picking this up, and why does it take so long for these stories to come to light every time? Yeah, well, first off, th th listen, the hard drive isn't an easy thing to extract information from. There are emails all over it and hidden uh, files and folders. And so we've been very carefully extracting them, authenticating them, doing reporting, and then writing stories. As for the mainstream press, listen, they're too far down the impeachment story, right? Because this story undercuts the entire reason why Donald Trump was impeached. And the impeachment story was there was no reason to investigate Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or Burisma or Ukraine, and therefore the president made an unlawful request to the Ukrainian president to look into this and he should be impeached. Well, it turns out there was a very good reason to be asking questions about Hunter Biden, and we're gonna give the best reason. I think we're about 24 hours out from being able to provide the public the most damning reason why there should have been an investigation of Hunter Biden and his uh, Ukraine Burisma deals his own lawyers, his own accountants believe there were some illegalities, some problems. We're going to expose that in the next 24 hours. Everybody who was smeared in the Ukraine story, President Trump, his lawyers, uh, uh, members of Congress like Devin Nunes, Ron Johnson, Grassley, they're going to find vindication in this next set of documents we're going to make public because it's going to show Hunter Biden, his own inner circle knew he had legal exposure that would get the attention of the IRS and the FBI, and they were trying to fix it before he got indicted or got in trouble. We're gonna have that story for you tomorrow. Wow, wow, super exciting. Uh, you know, John, here's the thing. It, it, they, they mess up so often, and so many times now we're finding out that the propaganda press has been exactly that, propaganda, and jumping to assumptions and with, without any real citations of any kind, using all sorts of bad sources or no sources at all. Um, and yet, you really think at a certain point they could build a bond with their audience, what's left of it, by just 
mea culpa, just coming clean, just saying, you know, we made some mistakes here and we want to come clean about it. Uh, or even the Biden administration could do this. They could say, look, you know, Donald Trump actually did a pretty good job, you know, expediting the vaccine. Uh, just one little compliment here. Or he wasn't really responsible for this or that. And it's been proven now. And, and we want to set that record straight or some yeah. of this. Stuff. It seems like no one ever, ever comes clean and and just authenticates themselves even when the real facts come to light. Do you think that there's, will they just continue like this or will they ever come clean on any of this, any of them, anyone on the left? Listen, at the ultimate uh, thing, all news organizations are businesses. Now, some of them are talking about getting, being declared infrastructure and getting tax aid. We had that story in just the news the other day, but most of us are businesses. We run on the ability to get readers to read us and then they read our advertisements and we make money off that. There is a mass migration away from traditional news organizations that gave us bad stories over the last year. Just take a look at CNN's ratings. Just start there, nowhere else. CNN right. has seen one of the largest flight of audience ever seen in the television news space. People are voting with their feet, their eyeballs, their hands, their clicks, their uh, smartphones. And the greatest awakening moment, the greatest correction moment will be when a news organization that repeatedly gave people bad news says, I can't operate anymore. I lost too much audience. I lost too much advertisers. I think we're approaching that reckoning moment. The American people are way smarter than the elitists who run news organizations around the world think. They think they can get away with all of these stories and just make a minor correction and slip it past us. The American people have figured out every one of them. We just had another one this week, right? Everyone was told by the mainstream media last year, Donald Trump tear gassed the protesters at Lafayette Park. He didn't. Yes. It wasn't his strategy. The IG of the Interior Department has proven it. How many news media corrected the record on that? Not enough. But the American people, remember, they got sold that bad bill of news. I think the moment of financial reckoning will be the awakening point. You're right. All news organizations have to do is retract the bad stories, admit they were wrong, and move on. The American people will give them the benefit of the doubt. They've been too stubborn and dishonest to do that so far. Well, it's a good thing for us, but I think it's a bad thing for the cynicism unfortunately. And um, some people just end up blocking things altogether and not really knowing what to believe because not everybody has time uh, to do all the research and to figure out who to trust. But John Solomon, I sure am glad folks have people like you who are willing to do the hard work and your whole team here at Just the News and, uh, and that we get to be uh, partnered with you and doing all the great work we're doing together. So John Solomon, thank you so much. And I uh, want to appreciate, want to make sure that I tell everybody about your amazing podcast there at Just the News as well. Aww, My podcast is up there along with yours, which is tremendously popular. Um, and people can go to justthenews.com, click on the little hamburger up in the corner, click on podcasts, and you can find all of the great podcasts put out by just the News brand right there at justthenews.com. John, thank you for being with us and all your great Thanks, reporting. Gina. Thanks for all you do, including doing one of the great podcasts for us. We're so grateful. <laughs> Thanks, John. All right. This week, ProPublica published the tax records of some of the world's richest people, and it showed that many of them paid zero in taxes. In 2007 and 2011, the world's richest man, Jeff Bezos, paid nothing nothing in federal income taxes. And for several years, Michael Bloomberg and George Soros didn't pay taxes either. So what's broken here? 
or is this exactly how the tax code was intended to work? Here with us now to discuss economic guru with FreedomWorks, Stephen Moore. Steve, great to see you. Hi, Gina. Good to be with you. Steve, I know there are a lot of really creative ways to avoid taxes, um, but tell us how these folks pulled this off. Well, let me just say something a little bit differently. I, I mean, I think the big story here, Gina, with all due respect, is the outrageous invasion of privacy. These IRS records are supposed to be private. It's important for our tax system that people aren't hacking in. And it looks like what happened here, uh, and I think the evidence certainly points this direction, is that these left-wingers over at the IRS illegally, illegally, uh, release this tax data to reporters at this left-wing publication called ProPublica. And I, I think it is a total outrage. And I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of Michael Bloomberg, but his privacy has been invaded, just as Donald Trump's was when the New York Times uh, illegally got his tax returns. Now, why is that important, Gina? Because Do uh, Joe Biden wants to hire 75,000 more IRS agents, 75,000. That's, that's a medium-sized city of, of additional tax snoops. Um, we have seen this before. We saw it under the Obama administration with the outrageous um, attacks and, uh, and the audits of, of conservative groups. Remember that, Gina? And, and mm -hmm. so I'm really worried about the politicization of the IRS here. I think it's outrageous. Yeah, and you, you'd mentioned that last time you were on this program, and I appreciated that because that's a terrifying thought to me, and that was going to be my next question, was this an inside job? Um, yeah. You don't think oh, there's it was no a doubt. hack? Gina, yeah. there is no doubt it was an inside job. You know, this is the, look, we as conservatives, we're not making this up. There is a deep state. Gina, you know that there is a deep state. There are right. leftists in the FBI. There are leftists in the in the State Department, obviously. And yes, there are leftists in the IRS. Uh, and and by the way, how do we even know that these are actual tax returns? I mean, how do we we know that they weren't doctored? I mean, we, you know, it's just it's. I find it so troubling. And and I think ProPublica should not should be punished for, for taking illegally stolen documents and publicizing those. They shouldn't be held up as heroes. Now, whether or not, you know, Michael Bloomberg is paying enough taxes, I think that's a different issue. Uh, but, you know, uh, the statistics show very clearly. In fact, a good friend of mine at the uh, Cato Institute just did a big analysis of the tax returns of the top 1%, and they pay 40% of the income tax. Gina, so this mythology that rich people aren't paying any taxes is, is just completely blown away, away by the real evidence. And and so, uh, you know, if Bloomberg and I think some of the others, uh, I think Bezos, I think what his return, uh, and by the way, these people have probably thousands of pages of returns, you know, with all the businesses that they have. So it's uh, it's really puzzling to try to figure out how much they, uh, how much they paid. And, and sometimes I hear, folks advocate, different economists and whatever. I've read whole books on advocacy for a whole different tax structure that would solve <laughs> these kinds of problems. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you have an opinion on that? I'm one of those people. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I've, been, I've devoted, you know, the last 25 years of my life to that idea, Gene. I, I, I'd love to get rid of the IRS. You know, why does the IRS have to know about all of our most pr private records? Uh, you know, by the way, it was Lois Lerner. That was the name I was looking for. Remember her, Gina? She was the oh, one yes. who 
who who accidentally lost all the records and you know it was a huge cover up at the IRS and they, these are the same people that want to hire 75,000 more agents and say don't worry it'll work out uh, just fine but why don't we move towards a national sales tax where you just pay your taxes at the cash register you live there in Florida Gina I believe if I recall Florida does not have a state income tax right you That's tax correct. people through their consumption as a sales tax. It's a huge advantage for Florida. It's one of the reasons Florida's flying so high. And why don't we do that for the national, the nation? Wouldn't it be amazing if the United States was the only major country that had no income tax? Can you imagine how much wealth would be created here? How many jobs would come to this country if we had a consumption tax rather than income tax? And, and then we wouldn't need this massive you know, 200,000 people at the IRS going through every one of your financial uh, decisions and, and practically living in your, uh, you know, living room. Yes, and Steve, I've never understood why the left won't go for that. Is it about control? Because here's my question. You know, they always say that the rich should pay more. Well, in a consumption tax or in a national sales tax, the rich pay a lot more exactly. because they consume a lot more naturally. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't the left appreciate that fact? Well, the left is really, it used to be the left used to be suspicious of the IRS. You used to have real civil libertarians on the left. I don't think that there there is, a, uh, you know, there used to be like an ACLU that actually cared about civil liberties. This, the ACLU is lo has been lost to the far left. They don't even care about civil liberties any longer. And so um, I think that explains why the left has, has fallen in love with the IRS. They, they just want more and more people to pry into your records, my records. I get these notices all the time from the IRS, Gina, and I'm not rich. You know, oh, you owe us another $2,000. And then I go to my, you know, tax lawyer and I say, you know, I, they don't even tell me why I owe them 2000 He said, well, Steve, it's going to cost you $5,000 just to challenge this. So I just write the check to them. I mean, the whole system is so unfair. It's abusive. And, and the, you know, I think it's uh, this latest chapter is showing all of the problems that are embedded in the IRS. It has to be cleaned out. And I read a headline today. I'm, I'm quickly glancing for the source um, that inflation is up, but it's not going to have any bearing. Yes, it was from Barron's. Inflation is here, but it won't affect stocks. How well do you think that headline is going to age? Did you say it won't affect stocks? That's what that was what the headline oh, at Barron's okay. said. So first of all, this is a big story, Gina. This is a really big story. People People watching the show are feeling it every day when they go to the gas pump, when they go to the grocery yes. store, try to buy an airline ticket, go to a hardware store, try to, try to get a I mean, yes. Washington's been living in a bubble, not to have seen this happening. I mean, we remember the last time I was on your show a few weeks ago, we, I predicted we were going to have these higher inflation rates because you could mm -hmm. see it. You, anybody who actually lives outside the Beltway understands that. And it's a real hardship for families. Uh, you know, go to the gas pump. Every time I go to the gas pump, people are grumbling. Have you noticed that? You know, gee, yeah. it used to be $2 a gallon. Now it's $3 a gallon. Um, these price increases are real. I think they're a result of the massive runaway debt spending in Washington, Gina. And the absolute worst thing we could do right now is pass another $2 trillion debt bill, which is exactly what Joe Biden wants. Then we're going to see real 1970s-style inflation. Just all this deluge of money into the economy is very negative, and it, it means more inflation. And the people who get creamed by this, Gina, are the people at the bottom of the income ladder. And senior citizens were living on a fixed income. 
Yeah, you, you make such a great point. Case in point, I had a contractor to my house today, wanted him to fix some rotting wood around my garage. He said, um, this is going to cost you $2,500. I could have done it for less than half of that, a lot less than half of that, a few hundred dollars a couple of months ago. Um, and so guess what? I'm not having him do, do that. So guess who that hurts? Not me. Uh, the rotting wood will wait. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad on my house. My contractor who does this is the one who's going to be hurt by that. And there are a lot of jobs I'm sure that he's out of because of that. So you're exactly right about that, Steve. Steve, I have and to Gina, ask you about the keys. One other yeah, quick thing. Ahead. Joe Biden yeah, yeah. keeps saying, remember, he just said it the other day. I refuse to raise tax on people who make less than 400000 yeah. Joe Biden, go to the gas pump. Every time I go to the gas pump, Gina, yes. I am paying the Biden gas tax because yeah. it's costing me $14 more every time I go to the gas pump to fill up my tank. That's a tax, folks. That's a tax. That's an absolute tax. Steve, I have to ask you about the Keystone XL pipeline story that broke today. It's official. Project is 100% scrapped. The contractor has confirmed. Uh, China and Russia, though, having a great field day with this. Canada and American citizens got the shaft on this. Um, I just want your commentary on this. It's heartbreaking. I'm devastated by this. I mean, this is a project that is a vital part of our infrastructure. If we want to remain energy independent, and I don't know if Joe Biden wants that. I don't know if he's intentionally trying to play into the hands of the Russians and the Chinese and the Saudi Arabians, but we are shutting down. This is, Gina, I said it last time. I'm going to say it again. Joe Biden has declared a war on American energy, and it is very dangerous. And it's benefiting our, some of our worst adversaries, the Russians, the Chinese, the Saudis, the OPEC countries. Uh, we have to get back to producing. There's no country in the world has more oil, gas, coal resources than we do. We should be using these. And, you know, we wouldn't be seeing these high gas prices now if we we're producing the oil and gas in places like Texas. You saw he doesn't want to drill now in Alaska. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Yeah. It's like doing everything they can to completely destroy uh, right. everything that's great about America, just like we say. Stephen Moore, thank you so much for being here. Your economic wisdom is unparalleled, and we appreciate you. Thanks, Gina. We're going to get through week. this, though. I think there's a rebellion. The American people are just coming out of the woodwork opposed to all these Biden policies. I really see it. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's too much. It's yeah. too much. They're not going to get away with it. Steve, thank you. Okay. Take care. You too. Coming up, Vernon Jones is running for governor in Georgia. Get this, but he's campaigning in Arizona by touring the border and the Arizona audit site. I'm going to ask Boris Epstein whether all MAGA candidates need to do these things in other states to get elected because this is what MAGA is demanding. That's next on Dr. Gina Primetime. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The MAGA movement right now is focused laser beam on two targets, two huge issues, border crisis and the audit 
happening in Arizona. And the candidates and politicians are making the pilgrimage to that part of the world right now. Yesterday, Georgia gubernatorial candidate Vernon Jones visited, visited, I will get this out, the site of the audit in Maricopa County and then headed down to the border. And right there in the middle of all the action was our own Drew Hernandez. Drew, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Drew, you were with Vernon Jones and Bernie Carrick during their trip to the border and also their trip to visit the audit in Maricopa County. Exciting stuff. Tell us about this adventure. Absolutely. So first off, the Arizona audit, uh, just the hand count portion of the audit is about 80% complete. They're almost done. They should be done by next week. Uh, but the complete audit of, uh, you know, looking into the machines to make sure that uh, it was secure that they weren't plugged into the internet, looking at the voter registration. That should be done in maybe about a week, two, uh, excuse me, a month, two months max, and we'll get some uh, to total results with uh, this complete audit. But Vernon Jones, uh, man, the guy's amazing. I love being around him. He was going after the fake news media while we were there, and it was just awesome to watch. Uh, here are some clips uh, so you guys could take a look. Yeah, you, you, well, did well, why did you tell me who's funding it? I then? was setting up my question. Oh, okay, so let me say this. Whoever is funding it, is it taxpayers' dollars? Have you done your research? There's is it taxpayers' dollars? There's $150,000 coming from taxpayers. Taxpayers. Yes. So private money is private money. They can do what they want. Have they broken the law? I did not say that, no. No, no, I'm, okay, I'm just asking, have they broken the law on who's funding what? Have they broken the law? Uh, Ma'am, I'm just asking, have private investors who invest in this, have they broken the law? Why no, don't you, you don't look at her. No, no, look right I'm here. Sorry. Did they break the law? All I'm asking is, man, I want to be very respectful. Here's my question. When you mention who's funding this audit, yes. and I want you said private people, including OAN, yes. right? And the audit has not been clear about okay. his funding. Okay. Sure. But have whoever is funding it, is it if it's private dollars, is that illegal? If private money is paying for a public audit, I don't know if that breaks any laws well, or not. Wait a minute. If private money is paying for a public yes. audit. <laughs> okay, I'll take the next question. You just Dude, you can't make pretty heated. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up, man. This is a this is a representation of the fake news incompetent media, okay? This reporter was trying to discredit the authenticity or the credibility of the Arizona audit by going at Vernon Jones by stating that there's private donors, private money going into a public audit. So she's trying to make the point that it's not being done transparent, but I mean, if it's public, then obviously you know what's going on with a public audit. And she, it, just, it just wasn't connecting with her and it was pretty embarrassing for her. I think people like this should not be journalists. Uh, they kind of make us all look bad in this process, but Vernon Jones is a beast and I think he handled that with class. And he was asking the reporter questions instead of taking questions. This is a turn uh, that you just don't ever want to happen as a journalist. Pretty interesting. Also, you headed down to the border right after that audit tour. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Vernon Jones and uh, Bernie Carrick, they took a trip down to the southern border and they had a tour. We got their first reactions right when they got back. Here are a couple clips that you guys could take a look at. First of all, I am so disappointed that Vice President Harris has not visited these borders. I think it's been 73 days. I've learned more in the past few hours than she probably has in the past over 150 days that she's even been involved in, in Congress, involved as Vice President. I'm disappointed because these men and women need the tools and resources, local law enforcement and the feds to do their job. The borders are obviously overrun. 
and the cartels have literally taken over. They have spies, they have scouts, um, they have high-tech data. The bottom line is nobody should be laughing at this crisis. Nobody should be laughing, laughing at death and destruction, um, at the cartels bringing in drugs. Nobody should be laughing at that. And, and, and I got news for you. When I think about the fact that she was put in charge, she was told by the president, the pre president went public, said she's got this. Well, she doesn't have it. And I, uh, I, I guess I, I'd sum it up like this. The president of Guatemala yesterday, the president of Guatemala said that the crisis at our borders is the responsibility of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's absolutely true. He's right. And it's embarrassing when you have other world leaders that are exposing the vice president of the United States that continually not only try and deny what's happening at the southern border, but they laugh at it when they're asked on live television if they have any plans of going down to the southern border. Kamala Harris laughs. This is a travesty. It's disgusting. There's human trafficking. Women are being raped. This is not a laughing matter. And I want to make this point. It's, it's, it's one thing, I think we can all sit here and make fun of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for being incompetent. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They're just out of touch with reality. But here's the thing. Joe Biden has been in career politics for over 47 years. Kamala Harris is a career professional politician, okay? These people know what's happening down at the southern border. These people know about the criminal cartel enterprises. This is the federal yeah. government we're talking about, okay? So these people know just exactly what's happening with the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, the drug trafficking, the illegal weapons trafficking. They know, they have the intel. This is the federal government, the same people that are hunting Trump supporters that were on the lawn of the Capitol on January 6th. So let's not sit here and pretend that these people don't know what's going on. That is the most disgusting, uh, evil part about this entire border crisis is that this administration, Dr. Gina, knows exactly what's going on, yet they still try and act like they can't do anything about it or they don't even know what's taking place down there. That's the evil in this entire situation. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And in, whether you're Republican or Democrat, this should just put a sour taste in your stomach. End of story. Mm. Yeah, it really should. And I tell you, the only the only positive you can draw of all of this is that there are folks like Ben Barquam, like you, Drew Hernandez, that are out there doing such great work to bring real information, real news to the American people that they're just not getting anyplace else. So do please keep up the great work for us, Drew. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. I think this is a very interesting phenomenon. It's now becoming essential for MAGA candidates to tour audit sites even outside the state where they are running and also to take a tour of the southern border. And if you want to be a MAGA candidate and you want to get the MAGA movement behind you, you'd better be like Vernon Jones and head to where the America First fans are focused. And that's on the border and at the audits. Here with me now to discuss Boris Epstein. Boris, great to see you. Great to see you, Gina. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, I think this is such an interesting phenomenon. We really have never seen anything like this before, where I think there is a certain unity of an entire movement who right. feels they've been wronged and feels like candidates need to prove something to them that they are going to not only focus, but put action behind the things, the priorities, very focused, laser focused priorities, if you will, almost as never before. Um, if they are going to get the support or even the interest of, of candidates. And this is outside their states. We've never seen anything like this before. 
Gina, first of all, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. You're a true champion. Really appreciate you and everything you're doing. Wonderful show. In terms of these candidates, what Vernon Jones did, it is, it, it's groundbreaking. It's historic, but it is becoming par for the course, and it should be an example to all the smart MAGA candidates out there. Go First of all, the Arizona audit is so vital. The yes. first full forensic audit in the history of Arizona, one of the first of its scale uh, throughout the country. And from what I understand, the, the recount part of the audit is speeding to a conclusion. Then it'll be the recanvas. Then they will look at the machines. And it is absolutely smart for candidates throughout the country, but especially candidates in states like Georgia, where Vernon Jones is running for governor, and states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, where we still do not truly know what happened in the 2020 election. Georgia's a cesspool, Pennsylvania's a cesspool, Michigan was a disaster. Wisconsin, from the audit that was done by the president's team, by President Trump's team that was paid for by his team, we know there were over 200,000 unlawful ballots cast in just Milwaukee and Dane counties alone in an election in Wisconsin where the final result, final tally was just 20,000 vote difference between Joe Biden and President Trump. So candidates from around those states and around the country are smart to go and pay attention to the audit in Arizona and the ones who are coming across the country in the freight train of audits, as I call them, and to visit the border because that is the biggest political and national security issue that is crushing the Biden administration. That disaster at the border, you, you saw Kamala Harris absolutely short circuit when she was asked about it in a softball question from Lester Holt. The Biden administration is getting destroyed by a lot of things, but the border is first and foremost. So pay attention to the audits, pay attention to the border, smart political moves. Very smart, very smart. And uh, you, you've been watching the border. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, watching the audits. Um, oh. And there are substantial issues here. You know, the as I like to call the press, the propaganda press, um, they're not reporting a lot of this. They're trying to sweep this all under the rug. But it's interesting. In a state like Georgia, for example, decided by 10,475 votes, um, right. you say that 25% or more of the boxes are missing ballots. Tell us why that's significant. So that's in Arizona. That's what's coming out of the audit yes. in Arizona, which was Sorry. decided by Did just I say about Georgia? 10,000. Yes. Thank you. Did. It's Arizona, decided by just about, and Georgia's a mess too, even worse actually, but Arizona decided by just about 10,000 votes. And from what I'm learning, 25% of the boxes in that recount, the recount of 2.1 million ballots, so 25%, about 500,000 ballots worth of boxes have the wrong number in them. That's significant because that means that this election was a total disaster in Arizona. So wrong number of ballots and, and batches and boxes, databases missing, removed, replaced, whatever language we want to use, but database databases that have been messed with. This is a real problem in Arizona, and that's why the Democrats, that's why there are lawyers, that's why the Democrat machine and mainstream media have been fighting so hard against this audit and that freight train of audits that's going from Arizona to Georgia to Pennsylvania, so on and so forth. And so what do you expect to happen? There are so many different opinions floating around out there about how these audits, uh, once they all come down, can be used to, to make a difference for the way that MAGA folks feel like this election was taken from them. What do you expect to be done with these results? My goal, really, uh, Gina, is to focus on getting the true results, knowing 
what truly happened in the election of 2020. And then those results are going to guide us into how they should be used. Some people are out there saying, well, we know for sure that it's X and not Y. I think it's too early to say. I think it's it, this has never happened in our country's history. Let's get the receipts. Let's get the information. Let's show fully how the Democrats cheated. We know they did. They said so in the Time Magazine article about themselves. They, they had a victory dance about cheating in the 2020 election. I believe they did it by expanding the amount of ballots and gutting the checks the old school way. I'm not necessarily a machine guy. I think that's the Dominion machine issue is a free option. Let's see what happens. I think the Democrats used the same things they used in 1960. They've used for ages and ages and ages to completely flow the amount of ballots into this country, specifically into battleground states, and gut the checks. So let's get that information, let's get those receipts, and then take it from there. Let's act step by step instead of going into the future because that information will guide us into how it should be used. And Boris, we've had legal opinions on this program saying, well, constitutionally, this is unprecedented. Um, right. So therefore, reinstatement is not an option. Um, but constitutionally, this is unprecedented. So other right. legal people that I've spoken with have said because it is unprecedented, that means everything is on the table. Where do you stand on that? I'm an attorney, as you know, Gina, a proud Georgetown right. Law graduate. I've studied the Constitution. And the Constitution is a negative document. It means that if things are yes. not prohibited by the Constitution, they're allowed. The Constitution does not speak to this. So anyone who goes out there says, well, 0% chance there cannot be reinstatement under the Constitution. Well, that can't be true because the Constitution is silent on it. We have not had a Supreme Court case definitive on this issue. And what we do know in a state like North Carolina, where they had a, uh, a congressional seat, congressional election, which was fraught with fraud, which was full of fraud, they had another election. I'm not saying that that's going to happen here. What I'm saying is that it is impossible to state that the, that the Constitution disallows reinstatement, that it's impossible. It is not impossible. What it is, is it's a question to be answered, likely through the courts. Boris, back to the border issue for a moment, just since I have you. I'm not sure that Kamala or Joe really want to stop the crisis there. I don't, can't even think why they would yeah. want to stop it, because I think they like the potential new voters for them, many of them wearing Biden gear, <laughs> flooding over the border. So even though it's a terrible political issue for them, I don't believe personally, just looking at it from a sheerly political perspective, that they want to fix it. And I think that politically is the expediency that Kamala is expressing in not visiting the border and in going to middle Mexico and to Guatemala and other places and joking about Europe and all the rest of it. Um, I want to get your political expertise on the Biden-Kamala strategy here. Vice President uh, Harris is a total disaster. She's awful for this administration. She has completely messed up this trip. Her answers in the in the uh, interview with with Lester Holt were terrible. I I agree with you. I think they don't truly want to fix the border, but now she's saddled with it. But she doesn't want to be tied to it. That's why she's not going to the border. Joe Biden doesn't know what day it is. But the people who are controlling Joe Biden, Susan Rice, Ron Klain, they don't want to touch this issue either. They're punting it over to Kamala Harris, and now it's becoming sort of a hot potato that they're sending back to one another. 
another. Meanwhile, our border is getting worse and worse, more and more porous. People are pouring through the border, and our national security is going down the tubes. This administration is awful on all fronts, from the economy to national security, international relations. The gas prices are high. Middle East has been on fire. Our border is a disaster. Had an attack on our pipeline. This administration has even been worse than any of us could imagine. And you're right, they're trying to avoid the border issue, but it's gaining on them. They cannot avoid it for too long. Yeah, remember the Trump uh, first 100 days list of accomplishments? You just named Biden and Harris first 100 uh, days of accomplishments. And wow, what a thud, what a gigantic thud. I think we all thought Kamala would be president now by now, but uh, (laughs) she doesn't seem to want to be president by now, does she? She does not. I think Susan Rice, is, if anything, is looking at Kamala Harris and saying, hey, maybe we need to get rid of her and Susan Rice could be on the ticket in 2024 because Kamala Harris is showing why she placed last effectively in the 2020 Democratic primary. She's unlikable, terrible politician, can't get anything done. Kamala Harris is a mess. Poor Sapstein, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks and thanks so for all your hard work for the movement and uh, continuing to keep us informed and give us hope here on, on this side of things where it feels like so much has been taken. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gina. God bless. God bless. Coming up, Cancel Mob eating its own, and it's so fun to watch. That's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay with us. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Cancel mob is on the move again, but the left is getting so cancel hungry, they're eating their own. It's what happens, you know. I told you earlier about this story out of Minneapolis. A man who owns a chain of grocery stores has been virtually run out of business by the cancel mob who somehow got a hold of his daughter's nine-year-old racist tweets. The mob descended on that business, and now even though the man threw his daughter under the proverbial bus and fired her, the cancel mob, not satisfied. The lease was revoked for the grocery store and 69 people are now jobless. And the ironic part of that is the young woman was a BLM supporter and she's from a family of Palestinian immigrants. And then there's Chris Harrison from The Bachelor. I don't know his politics at all, but we can probably assume he's a Hollywood lefty. He apologized for defending a contestant on The Bachelor who attended an antebellum South-themed party while she was in college, and now he's been forced to step aside from hosting the show. Will the left destroy enough of their own that they will finally decide to stand up to this out-of-control mob? Jillian Anderson did her time on The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, and she's here with us now. Thanks for being here with us tonight, Jillian. Hi, thanks for having me, Gina. This mob, they won't stop. They won't stop at anything, but they pick and choose who they come after. And like you, like you mentioned earlier in your show, Hunter Biden, they're not coming after him. And, I mean, Chris Harrison, it's funny because he was he was anti-mob, but the mob came for him anyway. And it's unfortunate that in this country, we are all about crucifixion and there's no grace. And we are quick to assign judgment based, uh, based on little or no knowledge of a situation or a circumstance that may have happened years ago. And I can't imagine, you know, being judged like that, like putting put in that pedestal. And it's so sad for this 
poor Palestinian man who had this grocery store and had to choose between his family and essentially operating the business. And now, if you read that story, um, you know, they're moving. Members of his family have to move back home. Yeah, and you have Hunter Biden, on the other hand, openly using the N-word. Joe Biden himself has used the N-word. It's, it's recorded. Um, and yet the cancel mob, nothing to say about that. Just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. It's so easy to do. And they're ruining everything. They're, they're ruining stores. They're ruining families. They're ruining lives. And they're ruining reality TV. I mean, like you said, I was in the show. We both did reality TV. But there is such a nostalgia with The Bachelor. When you pull up to that wet driveway and you see Chris Harrison in that big mansion. I mean, the show's so different now. And I, and I know a lot of viewers have mixed feelings. But most of them are really upset that Chris Harrison's gone. And as am I. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Jillian, it's a fun time of the day. At the end of the show here, we reserve for our meme of the day. And this speaks right to cancel culture. It says, uh, you will always be the bad guy when the wrong person tells your story. And you can see two identical photos of a dog dragging a, dragging a sheep by the neck. But the uncropped photo, Jillian, shows that the dog isn't killing the sheep at all. In fact, it is dragging it away from danger. So true. A little creative edit editing can skew a story in the news media. Shows us that every day, don't they? Quickly, about three seconds. <laughs> Yeah, well, just a little bit of creativity. Anything can be offensive. Anything can be racist. You see the whole picture? It's usually not that way. Generally, people love each other. I think we have to encourage that. That's exactly right. Jillian, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And thanks to all of you, everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B is up next with Damon and the crew. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow, Freedom Friday. We have a heartwarming story. Good news for you. We like to bring that to you, too. Hug your children. Love your God. Go boldly now. Live the truth. Good night.